The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is Customer Lifetime Value Driven IT. And our guest for today's show is Ruth Bolton, who is the Professor of Marketing at the W.P. Carey School of Business, Arizona State University. Hi, Ruth. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. So, you know, as CIO Talk Network, we have been talking to technology leaders and business leaders all along. And we know that in today's digital age, everything literally in the business could be touched and improved using IT. Always we have taken introductions or inputs from the business or sometimes we have introduced technology um, and, and, and to that end we have tried to create value for the business. It's always been um, a rather fuzzy science where we do not really know, okay, this is X number of dollars I invested or this is the effort that I put in. And that's what it has given to me in dollars and cents, if possible. And, and, and this has been an age-old problem, and I'm not saying we're going to crack that problem today. But then an idea came, why not use the customer lifetime value, which is actually a metric used in, at a business level, which is a quantitative uh, metric to, to basically use as a focus for IT to deliver value, so when they do it, we will at least get closer to that dream that we've had. So we would like to discuss different angles, say how IT has to be rethought, but before we do it, we have to know what the business needs to be if we are saying we are focused on customer lifetime value. We say we are, we in a way want to be uh, you know, aligned to it, but there may be certain areas where we are not doing it. What would those areas be? Well, first of all, I agree with you. We're not where we need to be. And I, th- I think the challenge right now is a, a lot of times um, when we make technology investments and, and, and manage technology, we're focusing on metrics that are intermediate outcomes. As you say, we're not actually thinking about customer lifetime value or the ultimate goal, we look at these intermediate goals and say, well, this shows that we're making progress in the right direction. But when I talk to managers, what I hear them say is, my challenge is, I don't have people who understand both the IT side and the customer side, the business side. And it's because the environment's changed so rapidly. They simply haven't been able to uh, hire the people that have both those capabilities. So those firms don't have both those capabilities to sort of flip between the technology and the business side. And, and I, I think you're right. Customer lifetime value does bring those things together and that we have to move in that direction, even if we can't get there right away. 
And and uh, to that end, when we do talk even in business terms, customer lifetime value, just just for us to be able to measure it, we have to be having our different functions and starting maybe with marketing or customer service or internal operations, whatever that we are doing in, in a certain alignment or in a, they should all be singing the same song, if you will, for you to be able to measure at least beginning uh, as a beginning measure it for you to develop that formula for customer lifetime value and to that and one and, and that that's where we see the challenges but then do you think we we are even thinking in that direction even at a business level let alone IT well absolutely and you know you have to remember where most companies started which is that they were product focused so when the idea came along with customer lifetime value that you would look at all the products that the customer bought and use some across all those kinds of revenue streams, products and services, that was a radical rethinking for a lot of people. And uh, a lot of companies simply didn't have all that information in one place. They were siloed. They were organized around products, for example. So, And their technology, their databases were set up that way. So there's been this huge effort, and, and we've come a long way, to actually make it so that we can have a 360-degree view of the customer so that you can actually understand the customer from all these different lenses, from looking at it from the marketing department, from looking at it from the IT department, from looking at it from finance, and all those different kinds of touch points. Um, but it's, it's been work to get there. Um, you know, and to move away from those legacy systems and those siloed systems that we had in the past to, to get that 360-degree uh, view that looks across all those touch points, all those products and services. So even today, uh, it's not that we have moved away from products. Yes, services become a little more complex or profound uh, compared to products, but even in products, you have to be able to deliver that customer lifetime value. And, and uh, what you just mentioned is that we, when we put systems, it doesn't automatically start giving you the measure. You have to have the right measures in place for you to identify which systems do you put. And when you go out to a third-party vendor or you build it internally, do you think we have the eye on that goal? of having that type of measure so we go because otherwise if, if and, and and that's the reason i bring this up again and again is because i don't see the in either business or it whether a product or a services company to really have that focus they don't no and, and you know i think one question that might get at the core of this is um with what what you're doing the kind of technology and databases and, and systems you have right now are you able to uh cross-sell and upsell, because that requires you to know a lot more about uh, all the different ways that you're serving the customer. Uh, so if you only have a partial view of the customer, you really aren't able to do that effectively. So that's almost like a test question um, to do you have this 360 view of the customer or are you just only seeing a, a tiny slice of, of what they are and what the relationship is with you? And, and so, so to that end, when you are looking at customer lifetime value in general, it's like a dollar value of a customer relationship. And not always it is easy for you to put a number on things. Is that why we have been shying away or even dropped the ball on this because, oh, it's not happening? Or did we not try hard enough? 
Well, I think it also depends on the industry sector. For example, if you're in financial services, they tend to be way out on front on this because their their data is excellent. They've upgraded their systems. So, you know, we, we have to think about the challenges of, of different sectors. But the one thing that I would say is, um, you know, let's just think for a minute about what the definition of customer lifetime value is, or as we say, the dollar value of the relationship. But what it actually is, it's what is that stream of cash flows over time in the future? What is that stream going to be? Okay, is it, how much is it? It's not the current value of the customer, what you're getting from the customer this year. It's what are you going to get from that customer in the future? And it's calculated by taking the revenues and subtracting off the cost. So what's that net profit stream? Okay, and um, the problem is, of course, most people, most firms can't calculate that. So what they're doing is they're trying to create a proxy measure, some kind of surrogate that is an indicator of what that dollar value of the customer is. And, and that's okay, actually. The trap is to sort of oversimplify a bit on that because really what, what you're saying when you talk about customer lifetime value is you're forecasting. You're making a forecast of that streams of cash coming from that customer in the future. And of course, a forecast depends on certain assumptions and conditions, which can change. So there isn't just one customer lifetime value measure for each customer. There's actually a different forecasts for different conditions. And gosh, now stop and think if you're the tech, in the technology area, the forecast is going to depend on how you use the technology, right? It's going to depend on the strategy, how you leverage those capabilities. So uh, I think that's where people start to go wrong is they may jump too quickly to a proxy or, or what they think is a good approximation of customer lifetime value without thinking about, wait a minute, no, this is the forecast of what I'll get from this customer. Assuming I use this strategy that, have I, I, that I've in, enabled through technology. Um, so that, that's a challenge. So to, to that end, what, what you just mentioned definitely is, is an issue. Now, when we say we want to forecast, people are not able to forecast. It could be because their systems don't give them enough data. They have uh, not really figured out their strategy. And it could be just the fact that they don't want to put a stake in the ground. What do you think is typically happening at the business level in the corner office? Well, for starters, costs are always easier to understand than revenue potential, right? So there's a tendency with technology to focus on cost minimization, cost to serve, how technology will help us reduce costs. And of course, that's great. That's wonderful. The the issue is, though, at this point that We've probably done a lot of that. We've got through a lot of the productivity issues so that there's now a need to change the focus, to think more about the revenue potential of strategy and of technology. And there's just so many things that that technology can do. You know, it's not just a a substitute for employee labor, but it can be a way to leverage your employees so that they can um, generate much, much more revenue. There's ways to, you know, customize the customer experience, um, things like that, so that... uh, there has to be a shift away from thinking about this is going to save me money and towards these are the, some of the ways we can leverage this data, leverage this information to deliver better customer experiences and therefore generate additional revenues. And if you look at the very state of flux that we are in, 
So I would want to give benefit of doubt to all people in business and technology that they would love to do what you just mentioned, where they could measure different places, where they can add value, et cetera, et cetera. Now, mm-hmm. the, the strategy of the month or a service or a capability of a quarter is becoming the norm because people are going agile in the way they are pushing their projects forward. The things which are changing literally by within half a year, you see fundamental shifts in many cases in the way a customer would look at a product, buy or not buy a product, or look at a newer version of that which your company may or may not be producing. So it's becoming a race. Oh, yeah. And when it becomes a race and when it nothing is, or everything for that matter, is in flux. So should we just throw forecasting out of the window? No, and the reason is this. A lot of companies have made the mistake of saying, okay, this is just too hard, so I'm going to use a measure of current profitability. The customer that I'm making the most from now is one I should be you know, focusing more of my resources on. But the problem is, just a few common sense examples tell you how, how bad that strategy is. It means, for example, if you're a bank, uh, you wouldn't do anything for customers at early stages in the life cycle because... Um, even though they're the ones that eventually, you know, need car loans, need mortgages for houses, things like that. You'd be focusing on those elderly people with big savings already. Uh, so, so you really have no choice. That, that current profitability is really not a very good measure. So, so the question is, can you just do a little better than that? Can you at least add in a few other things? I think that's what we're talking about. So this is an incremental approach versus trying to boil the ocean or solve the world's hunger problem. But oh, absolutely. Let's... I doubt many customer or many companies are thinking of more than a couple of years out, probably five years out would be a huge long distance to look out for a lot of companies. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and continue this conversation on how do you take bite-sized chunks of where your business is today where it can go. Yes, you may have cut to the bones and build the best productivity business case. But when we're talking about lifetime value, that means, and and that's not just measuring customer lifetime value, but maximizing it, which means innovation, which means finding new ways a, a customer could be served. How does an organization envision that area, especially when Everything is moving so fast and not just moving fast, it's also changing. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. 
Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, Ruth, when we are looking at uh, the technology-related investments, productivity side and cutting to the bones, all that has, to your point, has happened. We are moving fast. We want to be able to... Uh, tackle it in a way so that we are not trying to do because the way even you responded it it would have been unnerving for someone to say my god i've got to deal with that much stuff in one shot maybe there is a there's a science to this madness is there well i think you want to keep it to several really simple things and and what customer lifetime value tells you is there's only three ways to to grow revenues acquire new customers keep the customers you've got longer or grow the gross margins from your customers through cross-selling, upselling, that kind of thing. Those are the three things. There are no other ways. Okay, so once you think that way and then you start to think, okay, well, I don't have this beautiful customer lifetime value metric that I can get to, but I can think of ways of approximating those three things with metrics that I have of my own and pushing those metrics out to my employees so that they can use them. There's a a great example where... um, Best Western Hotels literally took a lot of the new metrics they were getting from uh, social media and made them available to their frontline employees who suddenly saw how important the customer experience was and how it actually meant you could keep customers and therefore they could keep their jobs. And it really made those employees much more customer focused. So, you know, sometimes we can do some pretty simple things uh, to either get new customers, keep the ones you've got or grow those margins. And and yes, you're right. We could do simple things, and I'm 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 gonna. I would like to give credit to the technology leaders and their business counterparts that they are looking at the simple things. But does mm-hmm. that take them? So that's maybe the first bite of the apple. Mm-hmm. But what about the second, third, and fourth bite, so that they can eat it all eventually? Is and that's when they would reach a point which you could say, okay, it's some measurable progress in moving that direction of customer lifetime value-centric IT and business? Well, you know, you have to be very careful here because uh, we're not actually trying to maximize the the revenues we get from each individual customer because um, if you're an IT person or or anyone in the sort of the C-suite, you're actually thinking about customers as a portfolio. So you should be thinking about your mix of customers. So uh, one thing that, that technology helps with is that we actually know a lot more about our customers than we ever knew before. So we can think a little bit about having the right kind of mix. Uh, in particular, you know, some customers um, have highly variable revenue streams and others uh, have much more stable revenue streams. Uh, and so you can think about a little bit, well, I want to have a, a good mix of customers. So it's now it's not just about any old customer will do. That strategy doesn't work because what happens is you keep 
acquiring, acquiring, and as fast as you acquire, you lose them out the, the back door. Uh, but instead, start thinking about finding and keeping the right customers to get that right mix of customers. And, and I think that um, that's something that um, is maybe more sensible to think about and, and, and gets rid of this holy grail of somehow or other we're going to, you know, extract every last penny out of every customer we have, which not only doesn't make sense, but it's actually not the correct thing to do. So the way you define a right customer, so on one hand, yes, we want to keep the right customer. On the other hand, we want to stay relevant. Mm -hmm. We want to grow, but we want to stay relevant. Mm -hmm. And when we want to stay relevant, that means we would have a a need to innovate, to come up with services which will be in demand, Mm -hmm. at least by the majority, which means the customer profile in many cases would start shifting what you started with, say, two years ago or five years ago. And when you shift that, that means some customers who you had acquired saying that, oh, these are the right customers a couple of years ago are no longer fitting that profile. And when that happens, and that means what you're saying is it's like a, a, a boat with a hole in it where the water keeps coming in or it just, there's some leakage or maybe mm-hmm. a glass with a hole in it. You keep filling, but it keeps going out. So that means you're never going to maximize the customer value, if you will, because you're changing the customer profile. And it's not that we want to. It's just the nature of the environment that we are in today. So to your point of keeping the right customer, if that definition keeps changing, what do you do then? Well, you know, people used to think very simplistically, if only I could rank order my customers from most valuable to least valuable. And then they would, would want to apply like an 80-20 rule, like, oh, 20% of my customers are generating 80% of my revenues. I'm only going to keep those best customers. I'll fire the rest. Well, most managers found out pretty quickly that wasn't a good idea. You actually need some of those lower customers. They help cover your fixed costs. They give good word of mouth. Um, some of them are willing to pay price premiums. Some of them are very easy to serve. So we, we have to go beyond that. And I think what you said just hinted at the strategy, which is what is it that we can do to touch customers um, and then make them behave differently to increase those revenue streams? Uh, so instead of thinking of uh, customer lifetime values as a way of sort of ranking customers from best to not best, think of it as a way of thinking about what can I do to move the needle, to spend smarter, not spend more, spend smarter so that, they, that I'm now able to realize more revenues from those customers. There's a really uh, great example of this um, that I love to tell, and it's uh, about IBM, um, which at one time it had heavily focused on um, very, very large customers, the very largest customers that there are. Um, and it didn't feel that it, it could do a good job of serving small and medium customers. Um, but it felt it had to figure out a strategy for that, and, and, it, and eventually it did. And, and it turned out to be really good that it did, because when the financial crisis hit, the balancing of the mix of customers that they had between the very big and the small, medium, large meant that they were much less vulnerable to some of these major shifts that were taking place in, in the economy during the Great Recession. And so they came out much better than um, some of the other firms. So, um, you know, it's, it's not sort of pie in the sky to talk about managing the mix of your customers, especially if you're B2B. You're thinking about managing large, medium, and small customers all the time, or you should be. 
And and so with a very typical B2B example, like you said, IBM. So a business stays as a business. The core may change or may not. And IBM being a services firm, it can shift. Now, would you think the formulas, the approaches, the strategies, and the related technology that you would use to maximize customer lifetime value would be the same as you would do in other areas, which could be more B2C where the people are a lot more fickle? Because I'd, I'd, I'd see this to be an easier bet than someone like a retail where they know this customer used to come and shop with me all the time, but suddenly XYZ item has gone out of fashion or that's what we used to be specialist in and we used to carry the best inventory, but that's gone out of fashion, so these guys are going to move on to something else. Yeah, and, and you know, with B2C, there's been a lot of talk about customer engagement and the customer experience. And, and one of the, the problems with focusing solely on customer engagement, um, which is a lot of what the, the new, uh, new social media metrics are, is the, uh, most of those are non-purchase behaviors. And there's nothing wrong with having engaged customers. Um, customers that are, are sharing information about you, for example, is wonderful. That's called word of mouth. We love that. Uh, but ultimately, you want it to lead to purchases. And so when you're in the B2C environment, it's really important not to see this shiny new idea of, oh, have customers engaged and kind of take your eye off the ball. Um, on the other hand, um, you can't get left behind. I've been working with a, a global retailer, and I don't want to say too much about the, the identity, but uh, they traditionally were bricks and mortar. And then, of course, they went online, and online was really big for them. But they weren't delivering as engaging, as satisfying experience uh, online as they were um, in their stores. And, of course, there's really big companies out there like Amazon that do a pretty darn good job of that. Uh, so, um, yes, you have to be engaging, but you also still have to convert those engaging experiences into revenue streams ultimately. And, and I think sometimes um, managers may get a little distracted um, by some of those intermediate metrics ar- around um, new media and, and forget to sort of, well, what's the conversion right there? Well, how much of this is actually coming over into revenue streams? You just mentioned about seeing if you can influence the customer or push them to buy what you still offer. Do you think in today's day and age when they have choices, is that even a possibility? Well, I think what you want to think about is that you're partnering with the customer. You can't think of it as pushing the customer uh, in any way. That's not a strategy that's going to work in today's environment where the customer has so much more control, so much more choice, the ability to just within one click um, be looking at your competitor's website. So it, it basically means that the, the customer's expectations are very, very high. So no, what you want to think about is partnering or collaborating to give the very best experience to that customer. Now, sometimes, and this is the tricky part, sometimes the goals of the customer and your goals don't align, okay? In which case, the partnering isn't going to be very good. And so you have to think about, well, is that the space I want to be operating in? Is that the place? You want win-win. You want to be, if you think of it, think of a little two-by-two, right? Managers love little two-by-two matrices. You know, we generate high value from this customer or we don't. The customer gets a lot of benefits from us or they don't. You want to be in that win-win spot. They get a lot of benefits. You get a lot of benefits. 
And um, so you have to think of it as, as collaborative and look for ways to align yourself with the customer's goals and, and, and generate revenues in that way. So, yeah, no, there's the, the days of being able to say, you know, gosh, there's nobody else for you to go to. You're stuck with me. Well, I think the only uh, organization that can still say that is the IRS. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and talk about the places where IT itself can help drive the information or help collect or help process, analyze, get some meaningful insights for the business so that the business sees it as a resource. And in that whole process, the way it does it, it is able to also learn what it means to be driven by customer lifetime value. So could IT play a lead role or you should still be an enabler for anything that business says and that way when they play passive, they never really connect to this concept of CLV. Please stay tuned listeners, we'll be right back. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, IT, and, and he's very, from the very beginning, spoke that, yes, IT is there. It has got potential to be able to provide the analytics, uh, the tools, and maybe the support so that the business can try to find out all that they want to about customer and in that process create a formula or figure out a way to do this customer lifetime value calculation. But then when they are more left abstracted from this whole focus or the way you go about understanding and developing this customer lifetime value centric strategy, then they never internalize it and their plans as the IT leadership sits in a closed room, they are still taking bits and bytes and the geek talk. How can we involve them on the front end? Well, I, I think when you sort of look at it from the outsider viewpoint, a, a lot of times what 
people may get a little, say, say you're a, a, a CEO and, and you're looking at the, the metrics that come out of um, IT. One thing I hear a lot of executives talk about is the metrics don't fit together. So instead, they've got a whole lot of metrics now all telling them different things. And it's, it's not fitting together to give a coherent picture. And so I think that's probably the area where uh, companies are, are starting to change, where they often even try and um, encapsulate some of what their metrics are telling them in stories that are compelling, that um, make sense um, in different parts of the company. Um, so, yes, we love the business analytics, particularly some of these new predictive analytics that allow you to sort of intervene in, in real time and, and say to a customer, oh, I see you're running low on X, or I see you could use this kind of help. Um, you know, there's really cool things now, machines, talking to machines, all that kind of stuff. But at a higher level in the organization, I think having that compelling story that links together the metrics to say, this is the direction we need to go. This is how we need to anticipate what the customer is going to need next. Um, that's what will make a difference in terms of the conversation so that, um, you know, you don't end up back in this silo, um, but you're actually out there. Uh, partnering with the other functional areas of the organization. So predictive is good. You'll know what someone is going to be asking. But when we are not even fully cooked when it comes to measuring where this customer is finding value, because the person, you can, you can predict all you want, but what if the customer is not happy with you on multiple levels? They're coming to you not just for your product or service, but also the experience that you offer them overall. So when we're doing predictive analytics, that is so centric around what you're going to deliver next or what the customer is going to want, but whatever they want doesn't automatically lend itself to you delivering it to them. How do we tackle that part of analytics? And again, coming back to making IT part of that conversation so that everything else that they do for creating that experience also starts getting impacted and they, they have that common goal in mind versus just an IT project to complete. Yeah, certainly the way you describe um, companies using predictive analytics in this very short run, run way, you're always then just going to be running to catch up. You know, somebody's just tweeted on Twitter, I've got to resolve this customer complaint. Yeah, that's, that's running to catch up. So when we talk about um, using analytics to anticipate. We want to be thinking about this in, in a strategic sense. And, and, and here what you want to think about is, is more um, dramatic ideas about, in fact, if we make this kind of investment or this kind of change this quarter or whatever, can we actually see, because of this strategy, a shift um, that enables us to generate more revenue. So you really have to think much, much more about anticipating and getting out in front. Um, it's sort of having a more forward-looking focus because you, you really can't be reactive. That's, that's not a way to, to grow a business, chasing, chasing after uh, things. You have to get out in front. And, and, and to that, and just to give you an example, like I personally was on an e-commerce site. So while they had very cool ways to uh, show the information, and then as soon as I moved on to my mobile device, etc., I started getting um, notifications on how you can benefit if you were to buy this, this, and this. All of that is okay. So I thought of giving it a shot or giving it a try in terms of buying something from them. But then that buying process besides the website in terms of having a return processed, or if you have a question, if something went wrong or it was not uh, reaching us on time as they, they promised, 
that sucked. So all my predictive analytics, which we used to say, okay, what will this customer buy in the future? But if I'm not even inclined to buy from them because I don't buy that product, I in a way trust that, that, that provider that they will give me a good experience. So, so the, the, the scope of analytics that we're talking about should not be just the, the crystal ball that it offers, but also how I'm going to experience, provide an experience today and how I'm going to experience provide, because that's got a direct impact on the CLV. Absolutely. And that gets back to, you know, remember where we started with, it has to be a 360-degree view of the customer. If you just look at those early stages, yeah, they got your engagement, they got you excited, they got awareness, they got interest, and then it fell apart on the back end. And of course, that's a classic technology problem where we have these legacy systems that we've used for fulfillment and for the actual taking of the purchasing order, and it doesn't mesh with our nice modern technology that we've introduced to, to handle some of the early stages. And that's a very uh, common problem in retailing. Um, that is, we're seeing now a lot of retailers uh, overcome it, of course. But, but yeah, that uh, the, yeah, you, if you don't have that complete seamlessness across all the, the functional areas and across all the customer experiences, you fall down. You let the customer down. You've made a promise to the customer. You know, that company made a promise to you in those early things that they did, and then they couldn't fulfill on that promise. So one is to talk about legacy uh, systems or a system not put together properly, and we could basically bash it. It's easy to do. But on the other hand, I could have built the best system. But the person who we are dealing with who's on the phone or chatting with you online as a customer may not be doing what they were supposed to do. So they have the tools, but they're not working. That means engagement. And while this is not an engagement-centric show, but I believe the customer lifetime value is also dependent on the engagement. That means that person needs to be motivated and that motivation could come from some HR insights that a company would have. So on the surface, we may not look at this link, but frankly, there's an impact. So did IT, when it said, I'm going to invest, or when business said, I'm going to invest in this cool system, which will allow me to provide all information and 360-degree view, did we forget about that system, which is working behind the scenes, which helps you get the insights about this individual who is going to represent your company to the customer? Yes, and I think that boils down to two things. One is information sharing, so that that frontline employee or, or their supervisor has the information they need. And then secondly, support. And I think if you start to look at where um, IT investments are, are being made, you see a lot more being done um, in terms of supporting employees because they can be used then to um, interact with the customer and co co-create that value. Um, an interesting example uh, in the B2B environment is um, field service organizations for which, you know, technology is just such a boon because now all these things can be up there in the cloud, whether it's specifications, customer information, videos, you name it, that the field, field uh, representative can be um, supported by when they're out talking to the customer which is wonderful, but then you've just said an important thing. Wait a minute. We can't have that employee looking down at his phone or his tablet or his laptop or whatever it is he's using. He's supposed to be looking at the customer, right? He's supposed to be serving the customer. So there, there's that last step of, okay, now we've done all this great stuff to um, enable and support the employee, 
But in fact, if there's no rapport between the employee and the customer in that interaction, it, it doesn't happen. So, you know, there, there's still that last mile to go there um, in terms of making sure that we've coordinated um, what's happening on the technology side with the, how it's being deployed through our people. Um, but, you know, the great news on that is, and, and I've heard this from managers too, is um, younger employees have grown up with this stuff. It's as natural to them as breathing. So for them to um, use technology to look things up, to consider it as a supportive resource, they are there already. The problem is not all our employees are, are in that cohort. We have a mix of employees, and so we have to you know, think about how we manage those employees. And and when you are referring to that individual, and you mentioned like they are multi generational, so when when technology is asked to support and to come up with innovation, frankly, now CIO has a seat at the table, in in the executive management room, and they're asked where can you help. What do you think that CIO must be thinking besides the superficial? Uh, trends that they can help capture so that your, like, for example, the, the, the area that I mentioned, like that HR system, which could go and make a whole lot of difference if you knew how to profile uh, a front-end rep. Yes, yes. Uh, so there's a lot of those uh, hidden opportunities. So there's one in HR. Another one is actually that sometimes the, the data that the IT department has developed and managed is in itself sellable. Okay. Uh, it can be sold to others or it can be used to identify opportunities. And so there can actually be a whole uh, component to offer to, say, the sales area saying, look, we actually have the, the capability to, to help you offer some new services. So there's a lot of those hidden opportunities that, um, that technology has to offer. In addition to the classic one, which is, of course, the efficiencies in operations. So there's a different sort of language depending on which part of the organization you're speaking to, whether it be HR, sales, operations. You have something to offer each of these. And so, so since you have uh, basically worked in marketing and or served that function, now, you know that in today's day and age, every different, every every function in a business has to come together and work towards one common goal. At least that's what the ask is from the top management. But then when we see the people who may be in marketing, uh, in customer service, in operations, supply chain, and IT, each of them have different measures of success in their respective roles. So if... CLV, customer lifetime value centric optimization has to be done, then this has to be included as a measure of someone's success. Could it be exactly defined for all of them in the same way? Perhaps not. But then what would those flavors be if I were to go and say your goals are X and there is one or two measurable goals that we set for each individual works in each different function, what would those look like? But you take a moment to think about them. Let's take a quick, uh, list, uh, quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and discuss this. 
predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management and Document Sharing Solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, we spoke about the customer lifetime value related measures or goals that we can assign to different department uh, leaders and members such that we are all thinking in one direction because today as we speak, they all have different measures of success. So alignment is not going to be a natural outcome. Yes, and I think, you know, if you sort of thought of customer lifetime value as like the umbrella or the overarching um, thing that ties everything together, but then imagine it, um, your metrics in your organization as being a little bit like a, a, a triangle, okay? And so at the top, you've got this this golden uh, customer lifetime value summed across all the customers. But then as you push down into the organization, you have to push down into metrics that are meaningful for different levels of management all the way down to the front line. And they have to be meaningful for different functional areas. So, for example, if you're in the um, operations area, uh, there's process metrics, trouble reports, late deliveries, product defects, billing errors. Those are very good leading indicators of um, customer metrics downstream because they, they link directly to customer satisfaction, which links to retention, which links to customer lifetime value. So those make sense in the, the operations area. Um, in the um, area of sort of engineering, there's a bunch of different uh, process metrics as well, so that you can think about using some of them. Uh, however, if you're over in the sales area, you want to think more about things like, you know, dollar value of cross-selling, um, migration to higher margin products and services, churn, uh, customer loss rates, um, the things that are more meaningful in that area. And then I think that the key thing to do is that you need to have sort of a little map that links these things together up to the, to the 
to that top, to that customer lifetime value. So everyone sort of understands where they fit within the picture. And so, yeah, there's a piece around engagement um, that sort of gets those people to be aware and interested. And gosh, like you, they've downloaded the app. So that's really great. But we've got to make sure we've got that last, that last metric that where that conversion to trial and then repeat occurs. And so I think what you would find in some organizations is that that, that triangle uh, with that hierarchy of metrics, there's some big holes in it. And there you want to at least plug in some kind of a metric to capture uh, how you link into contributing to customer lifetime value so that you know, all parts of the organizations understand that. So would you say that the, the, the set of steps that you mentioned about building those metrics could be mm-hmm. the first step or first chapter in the playbook? Then the next yeah. could be, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so, so the reason I was asking that if that was the first chapter and then when you find the holes, you fill them, but then you invite, do you invite IT to say, okay, guys, can you help me get data for this? And second is, based on my data, can you help do certain things, which will help me produce a better result? Absolutely. And, and, and then collaborate that way? Do you think that Absolutely. could be the second chapter? And then what you want to get is you want to get some of those early success stories, right? So this one group that says, gosh, we've been tasked, we've been told, we have to come up with some metrics that show how we're contributing to customer lifetime value. Now we're turning to IT to ask for help. And then when, when you've maybe worked together and found a couple things that make sense, you get that success story, and that convinces another team in the organization, gosh, we better do that too. So yes, that's exactly it. But that requires, notice how that really requires this collaboration between IT and every other functional area um, because uh, neither is going to know what the other is doing. And, and I, have early in my career, saw some really unpleasant uh, situations uh, where IT was making radical changes and you'd have particularly between sales and service literally shouting matches. You try and get together, you know, the leaders of some teams in a room saying, well, you made a promise I can't deliver on. Okay, so there's a major, major gap there. Uh, so there's, you know, some work to be done to get everybody on the same page. And this is exactly one way that you could do it. Yeah, because what we are finding is that IT, IT people definitely, and, and I'd say this for anyone who comes to work, they don't want to mess up, right? They're not coming to do, do that. They want to do the best they can. Sure. Now, <clears throat> so, so the, the approach that we have taken or technology leadership has taken is they want to build good relationships. They want to be of value. But in many cases, people in business could be their worst enemies because they would not know what to ask of IT. And IT would not know what to deliver, which will eventually make these people successful. So do you think if we went this route, this framework that we just discussed, maybe this is a creation in itself, is to say, is this how IT ever talks? So yes, you're my best buddy, but there are still some expectations that if I'm going to be your best friend, then I need to know what you are to be measured by. Is that clear? And into that end, what can I deliver so that it not only only allows you to measure what you're being, uh, basically improve what you're going to be measured by, but also at any given time, you have complete clarity. So you grow in your own group. And in that process, when I help you, IT improves and IT naturally gets aligned to the customer lifetime value. Yeah, and I think an important thing to remember here is, um, you know, people manage what they measure, but if there's one thing that they really dislike, it's to ha- be assigned a metric that they don't have a lot of control over. 
Uh, so I, I think sometimes, especially people from the outside looking at IT say, gee, they're generating all these metrics, but those aren't the ones that are meaningful to me, or they're only a slice of the picture. And so if the dialogue needs to be around what is going to be a meaningful measure that we can agree upon, as opposed to, well, there's thousands of these out here, and you can have them all if you want. Uh, what is sort of meaningful and makes sense that I have some control over? Uh, because if people can't control it, there's going to be a real morale problem when they see that they're trying their best, they're doing everything they can, and they can't budge their metric. Uh, that is the worst possible situation to be in. And it's, it's a little confusing and frightening for people right now, uh, depending on where the, the organization is, um, to sort of look helplessly at some of these things um, or see a little blip but then you can't repeat it because then they end up running around fighting fires and, and not focusing on the long run. So you also need to make sure that that metric is, is uh, reasonably stable, not bouncing around a lot because that'll just create even more uncertainty and chaos, but something that, that, that is sensitive enough to change that somebody can tell when they're improving, but not careening around in wild ways that um, cause more trouble than, than, than they are a help. And so, so that's kind of tricky. It means you have to think a little bit about the behavior of that metric and how human beings respond to those metrics. So would you say that in this case, the way at least the model that you and I just spoke about, it violates the, the current metric in the way IT is measured today. That means IT should not be directly given metric by the CEO, but instead that metric should be developed when they, the, when the CEO or the executive management gives it to the line of business leaders. Yeah, and I they, think, you know, the CEO usually picks some very, very um, high-level metric. You know, net promoter was a big one for a while or something. But, but they're mostly using it from a strategic point to rally the troops. I, 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 at lower levels, yeah, you have to drill down the way we've been talking about. Um, so it's it's good to have these sort of you know gold standards out there in front that that these metrics roll up to. But from a, any kind of day to day or quarter to quarter management, you you've got to be able to drill down to the kind of way we're talking about. So one last question for you: Given the turbulent time, I would not call them turbulent, but I would say good times. What there's a lot of activity, a lot of change. What mindset shift is required for the management and for the leadership to enable the CLV-driven IT? Well, I think that you're right. Now is a really good time. So, so uh, financially, things are better, and there's an ability to make investments in technology. But I think now is the time to think through some of these different options in terms of how it's used and then think about how will that move the needle on customer lifetime value and if that's too hard a question then move it down to some of these intermediate and and lower closer to the frontline metrics and say how will those investments move that needle Um, and and I think that's the wonderful thing about the world we're living in now that we can we can say that uh, it's possible to do that it's possible to think about um, making changes and then seeing, maybe not in real time, but close to real time, in fact, whether or not they're working. And a lot of it's trial and error, you know. Uh, you, you hear about companies like Amazon literally doing experiments all the time in terms of how they, they market. And, and every company can do that. And fortunately, uh, we're in a place right now where we can... 30 seconds. We can learn. And learn is what we want to do. 
On behalf of the show and our listeners, uh, thank you so much, Ruth, for sharing your views on how organizations, uh, that is their management and its IT, can rethink how the DNA of the organization should be for it to all align to the customer lifetime value. And then there is a cohesive force that will allow you to maximize it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. And listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CTN, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and join our LinkedIn community. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.